America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth and a great day to confront a great question of all of our presidents of the United States. Which one counts as the most fascinating, the most impressive, the most compelling, and the most endearing? I think there is general consensus it would be Lincoln. I mean, basically no one liked Lincoln in all of our history. But who would be in second place? And we will leave out the current incumbent, President Trump, because as of this telling, his presidency is still unfolding. It would be another president who is up there on Rushmore. And no, not Washington, who is so great that he seems inapproachable and almost like a statue. And no, not Jefferson with his complexities and his many flaws. It would be that fourth Rushmore president, the president we celebrate today, That would be Theodore Roosevelt, the all-American boy. And that music that you're hearing, it'll be a hot time in the old town tonight, was used by Theodore Roosevelt as something of a theme song. Why? Because it was used for his regiment, the Rough Riders, before they went to Cuba in the Spanish-American War, then played at virtually every rally until he got rather sick of it while he was running for governor of New York in 1898, before he became president, of course. And I need to answer a couple of questions at the very beginning. First of all, the idea that I call him Theodore Roosevelt and uh, not Teddy Roosevelt, as he's often known. Well, that's because President Roosevelt always loathed the name Teddy. When he was a tiny boy, he was called Teddy, and he didn't like it. And he never liked being called Teddy. And he once declared, anyone who calls me Teddy doesn't know me at all. And I certainly hope that by the end of this broadcast, you will know President Theodore Roosevelt well. And then the question about the title of this very special broadcast on The Michael Medved Show, calling him the All-American Boy. I, I do that because part of the fascination with President Roosevelt is his boyishness, which lasted his entire life. He never quite grew up. In fact, one of the most famous statements about him was made by the British diplomat uh, Cecil Spring Rice, who became a very good friend with President Roosevelt when he was in the White House. And he said, you must always remember about the president that he is about six. And uh, there were others who were also impressed with his boyishness. Ailey Root the gray eminence who served in TR's cabinet um, said on the president's 46th birthday, he said, you've made a good start in life and your friends have great hopes for you when you grow up. And then later, six years later in uh, 1910, he uh, greeted him on his birthday by writing to him. This is after uh, president Roosevelt had been reelected Theodore, you are still the same great overgrown boy as ever. And most movingly of all, and I just came across this, and it's stunning to me, is former President Theodore Roosevelt 
humbled himself and came to the White House to beg a favor of the man who had defeated him in his last race for the presidency, Woodrow Wilson. He, he didn't like Woodrow Wilson. He once referred to Woodrow Wilson as the real WW stood for weasel words, which is quite a thing to say. But he came to President Wilson in the White House in 1917 after America had entered World War I. And President Roosevelt begged him to allow the president, he begged the president to allow him, President Roosevelt, to organize a regiment and lead a regiment at the front because he wanted to spend his own money to recruit people, to get volunteers. And and President Roosevelt at the time was in his late 50s. He wasn't in perfect health. And Wilson said no. But afterward, he wrote this in his diary. He is a great, big boy. I was charmed by his personality. There was a sweetness about him that is very compelling. You cannot resist the man. And people felt that way about Theodore Roosevelt for most of his life. And part of the reason that he remained an overgrown boy his entire lifetime was because his actual boyhood was, at least for his early years, so miserable. He had a terrible case of asthma as a child. He was born to a family of privilege. Otherwise, he might not have even survived. But his family had uh, come here with some of the original Dutch settlers in what was originally called New Amsterdam. They came in the middle of 1600s. And the family was always successful. They were prosperous. His father, Theodore Roosevelt Sr., was a widely respected community leader and a successful importer of glass and generally a a very dedicated, community-minded businessman. And in terms of asthma, uh, young Teddy, as he hated being called, uh, was too sick to attend school. And his mother took him to various practitioners who attached mustard plasters. At one point, they massaged his chest so vigorously that it started to bleed. He got electric shocks, and none of it seemed to work. The only thing that worked was the time he would spend in his father's arms. And he remembered years later, I could breathe. I could sleep when he had me in his arms. My father, he got me breath. I could sleep when he had me in his arms. He got me lungs, strength, life. And some sense of what his childhood was, he was considered well enough to go with his family when he was 10 years old. And they went on a grand trip of Europe, and some of it was fun. He kept a diary of the trip, and it's amazing to read it from 10-year-old Theodore Roosevelt. In Switzerland, August 23rd, he writes, In the afternoon, we threw paper balls at the waiter and chambermaid and rushed around upstairs and downstairs to dodge them. He's talking about his sister and his brother and himself. Then September 24th, Venice. I was sick with asthma and did not sleep at all. September 26th, 
Trieste. I was sick of the asthma. I sat up for four successive hours, and Papa made me smoke a cigar to help me breathe. This was his reality, and it was also his father, Theodore Roosevelt Sr., who encouraged him to become the master of his own body and to work out with barbells, uh, with very regular exercise, to build up his body and his strength. Now, this is often exaggerated. He, he never became a truly a superb athlete. But he did develop as he was growing up. First of all, he, his height was, was never awe-inspiring. People think of Theodore Roosevelt as this towering figure. His height, depending on which source you believe, was somewhere between 5'8 and maybe as much as 5'10". It was probably 5'8 or 5'9". And that was not considered large for the time. But when he went away to Harvard, he took up boxing and he became obsessed with this physical culture and improving his body. So how is it that this once sickly young man became America's most celebrated advocate of what he called the strenuous life? We'll tell you more as we continue the special broadcast, Theodore Roosevelt, The All-American Boy. You're listening to a special broadcast of the Michael Medved Show, recalling the president who led us into the 20th century, which has been called the American century. Uh, certainly Theodore Roosevelt would have uh, appreciated that designation, this special broadcast, Theodore Roosevelt, the all-American boy. He did finally, with his father's help, overcome the limitations of the asthma that almost killed him before the age of three. But in uh, 1872, when Roosevelt was still only 13, his father told him, sickness is always a shame and often a sin. You must make your body. And he was determined to do that. One of the ways that he did it was traveling with his family, and uh, traveling in the saddle. He loved riding. He loved hunting. His father gave him a gun when he was 14 and then was very disconcerted when, when Theodore couldn't hit anything. He always missed. And uh, then he gave him spectacles, and that was much better because he was always nearsighted, and then later in life he injured himself in the White House uh, doing a... Uh, boxing with a sparring partner who uh, hit his eye and ended up detaching his retina. In any event, he traveled with his family to Europe. He traveled with his family to Africa. He was mostly homeschooled, and he was clearly a, a monumentally intelligent young man. And he entered Harvard in America's centennial year, 1876, and he entered just before he turned 18. And at Harvard, he was something of a force of nature. And now he wanted to show people how manly and how strong he was, despite the fact that he had relatively small stature. And he, he wasn't a, a naturally greatly gifted athlete. Uh, 
But a, um, a, a young woman in Cambridge who met him when he was a freshman remembered him as uh, with being possessing, quote, stuffed snakes and lizards in his room with a peculiar violent vehemence of speech and manner and an overriding interest in everything. And there's a famous story of Theodore in geology class. Geology was one of his favorite subjects. And at one point, he was so obstreperous in his geology class at Harvard that his professor shouted back at him, See here, Roosevelt! Let me talk! Uh, He had a tough time letting other people talk throughout his life and his career. The worst moment of his life, young life, occurred in 1878 when he was still a a junior at, at Harvard. And his father had taken ill. And it's, it's actually an amazing story. His father had been nominated by President Rutherford B. Hayes to be the customs collector for the Port of New York, which was considered a very, very important job. And Hayes wanted to replace a fairly corrupt customs collector, as he was supposed to be, named Chester A. Arthur. He was there in the job. But then in the Senate, Roscoe Conkling, who was a senator from New York, made a huge stink And Theodore Roosevelt Sr. was hugely embarrassed because the Senate would not approve his appointment. And it was shortly after that that he collapsed. He became very ill. Theodore came down from Harvard to visit him, and his father seemed to rally with his oldest son's visit. But then on February 9, 1878, he died of what was called cancer of the bowel. It was a very, very painful death. His father was only 46. And Theodore said, sometimes when I realize my loss, I feel as if I should go wild. He was everything to me. I have lost the only human being to whom I told everything. With the help of my God, I will try to lead such a life as he would have wished. And he remained obsessed with his father and trying to live up to his father's hopes for him. He he wrote three months after his father's death, I often feel badly that such a wonderful man as father would have had a son of so little worth as I. I realize more and more every day that I am as much inferior to father morally and mentally as physically. It didn't stop him from uh, an outstanding academic record. One of the things that strikes you about Theodore Roosevelt, when you read his words, when you read about him, this was an astonishingly brilliant man and so full of energy that his family actually thought it might be a problem for him. In fact, his father, who he mourned so greatly, wrote, his energy seemed so superabundant that I feel it may get the better of him in one way or another. Actually, that happened, but later in the story. Uh, At Harvard, he began working uh, on an academic work about the Naval War of 1812, and it's brilliant, and it was published as a book. 
and it became a minor bestseller. And it's still studied as a work of profound naval history, a whole analysis of the sailing ships and the, the war and what gathered there. And again, this is his work in college. He also qualified for Purcellian Club, which was considered the most prestigious club there. And uh, he also met the most beautiful young woman he ever saw, decided immediately that he wanted to marry her and pursued her. He um, referred to her as his sunny-faced queen, his bright, bewitching darling, so pure and holy, he wrote, that it almost seems profanation to touch her. Uh, Her name was Alice Hathaway Lee. And uh, they became engaged and shortly thereafter married. And uh, he considered himself the most fortunate man in the world to marry such a beauty and and such a gem. The marriage, however, uh, didn't last and didn't factor into the more dramatic events of his life. Uh, But it also led to the most painful day of his life, which came just after his entry into politics. He uh, had decided, having thought about a career in science, a career in writing, he did not want to go into business. He didn't feel that he had a particular feel for business. In any event, he had inherited something of a fortune from his father. So he ran for the New York Assembly, And at age 23, he became the youngest man ever elected into the New York State Legislature. But things did not go according to plan. We'll continue the story of Theodore Roosevelt, the all-American boy. Listening to a special broadcast of the Michael Medved Show, telling the astonishing story of Theodore Roosevelt, the all-American boy. And that boy was certainly riding high in February of 1884. He had already been elected to the New York legislature. He was a star in the legislature. He rose to be the Republican leader in the state assembly at a remarkably young age, age of 25. And he was very, very excited in February about the imminent passage of a bill he had worked on for a long time. It was a bill reforming the New York City Charter to make public servants more accountable. It was the cause of reform and trying to rid the city of corruption to which he had dedicated his early career. And the other good news was his wife, Alice, who he adored, uh, had uh, become pregnant and she was due in uh, February. And the baby was actually due on Valentine's Day. 
on February 14th. And he had uh, come home to be with his wife the previous weekend before she was due. But then she sent him back to Albany, and he went back to Albany to work on the Roosevelt Bill. But then he got a telegram on Wednesday morning, the 13th of February, that told him that he had a baby, a healthy baby girl, who they had already planned to name Alice after her mother. And uh, the members of the legislature, when he got his telegram, crowded around him, patted him on the back, uh, handed him cigars. And uh, then he got a second telegram, and he rushed to the railroad station. The problem was, on the way home, there was very dense fog. And what normally would have been a quick train ride ended up taking five hours. He arrived home after midnight to his family's home, where Alice was staying with his his mother and his brother Elliot. And his brother Elliot came to the door and told Theodore, there is a curse on this house. Mother is dying. And Alice is dying too. Roosevelt's mother had typhoid fever. And Alice, who had been uh, badly experiencing childbirth, even though the baby was healthy, she was barely conscious. She was suffering from kidney disease that had been undiagnosed. And Theodore went back and forth between the bedsides. His, his mother died at three in the morning on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Alice died at two that afternoon. And only the baby, now motherless baby, survived. And um, this was so extraordinary that in his diary, where it has a page for February Thursday, the 14th, 1884, he just puts a big, broad X on the page. And in his own handwriting, you can read, the light has gone out of my life. And as a 25-year-old widower, he left the baby in the care of his sister, and he decided to find solace and healing and new hope by living one of the boyish adventures he had always dreamed of living. He had family money, so he used that to buy a ranch in the Badlands of Dakota. And he decided to go out there. And he wrote this uh, to his sister. Well, if I've got to go, I've got to. I wear a sombrero, silk neckerchief, fringed buckskin shirt, sealskin chaparreos, or riding trousers, alligator hide boots, and with my pearl-hilted revolvers and beautifully finished Winchester rifle, I shall be able to face anything. And by the way, his, um, he also had a Bowie knife, which came from Tiffany's, as did his silver belt buckle with a bear's head and uh, also his initialed silver spurs. Not your typical cowboy, perhaps. 
Uh, more coming up on this special broadcast. Theodore Roosevelt, the All-American Board. You're listening to the Michael Medved History Show, Theodore Roosevelt, the All-American Boy. If you'd like a copy of this program, visit medvedhistorystore.com. That's medvedhistorystore.com. There you can find MP3 audio downloads, or you can order CDs. We have lots of programs on offer about the American Revolution, the Constitution, profiles of Martin Luther King Jr., Abraham Lincoln, shows about taxation, the worst presidents in American history. It's all at medvedhistorystore.com. You're listening to a special broadcast of the Michael Medved Show. Theodore Roosevelt, the All-American Boy. And you're also listening to something extraordinary, a historic performance directly tied to President Roosevelt. Listen. That was recorded in 1906 by the Marine Band, uh, the President's Own, it's known. And President Roosevelt loved listening to the Marine Band. And we know that he also heard them perform this Maple Leaf Rag by Scott Joplin because ragtime was all the rage at that moment in our history. In fact, there is a um, member of the Marine Band who recalled specifically that President Roosevelt's daughter, Alice, then known as Princess Alice, was very much a ragtime fan. And during a White House reception, she came up to the band and said, Oh, Mr. Sentleman, do play the Maple Leaf Rag for me. And the conductor, Mr. Sentleman, said, The Maple Leaf Rag? Indeed, Miss Roosevelt, I've never heard such a composition, and I'm sure it is not in our library. And Alice Roosevelt apparently said, Now, now, Mr. Sentleman, don't tell me that. The band boys have played it for me time and again when Mr. Smith or Mr. Van Polk was conducting, and I'll wager they all know it without the music. They played it without the music. And then recorded it in 1906, which is quite remarkable. And yes, it was a more festive time and a more happy time, and one of my favorite quotes from Theodore Roosevelt, and one of the reasons I... I believe that he's such a remarkable, remarkable writer, is he wrote this sentence, Black care never sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough. And that was the whole idea of his going out to try to run a ranch and make money farming cattle when he went out to the Dakota Badlands. It was even a territory then. And he had... Many, many experiences, which he narrated with, with great fun. He was in a bar at one point, uh, not imbibing, but someone else was with two six-shooters, a much larger guy, and T.R., because the man was misbehaving, knocked him out cold, at least as he remembers it. And historian Richard Hofstadter, who writes insightfully and beautifully about Theodore Roosevelt, said he fled from repose and introspection 
with a desperate urgency that is sometimes pitiable. We'll be right back here on The Michael Medved Show. You're listening to a special history program, Theodore Roosevelt, The All-American Boy. If you'd like a copy of this program, visit medvedhistorystore.com. That's medvedhistorystore.com. There you can find MP3 audio downloads, or you can order CDs. You're listening to a special history program here on The Michael Medved Show, Theodore Roosevelt, The All-American Boy. In 1886, two years after the simultaneous death of his first wife and his mother, he wrote a biography of Thomas Hart Benton, the great colleague of Andrew Jackson, senator from Missouri. He wrote that biography in four months, during most of which he was on 14- or 16-hour ranching schedules in the saddle almost all day, and, as he said, pretty sleepy all the time. In the same period, he poured out seven volumes of history and essays within five years, while active both in politics and on his ranch. Get action. Do things. Be sane, he once raved. Don't fritter away your time. Create. Act. Take a place wherever you are and be somebody. Get action. He lived up to that. And after the legislature... His career continued in 1886. He ran a completely doomed campaign for mayor of New York. He got a certain amount of attention, but he finished third. Uh, There was the Democrat who won and a third party candidate, radical intellectual Henry George, who finished second. Roosevelt finished third, but his speeches drew attention and his energy compelled everyone. And he became chairman of the Board of Police Commissioners in New York City a role which he enormously enjoyed. And he worked closely with the police who loved him, uh, trying to focus their attention on rooting out corruption in the police department and uh, addressing the problem of vice in the big city. Also in that capacity, he met a famous reformer who had been born in Denmark, Jacob Rees, who wrote a famous book called How the Other Half Lived, who took Theodore Roosevelt around to see the slum conditions in New York, and he resolved to try to do something about it. He won appointment by President Benjamin Harrison to the Civil Service Commission in Washington, which was charged with cleaning up government and trying to get partisan politics and the spoils system out of major government appointments. And he did so well in that position that he was reappointed by a Democrat, which was considered extraordinary. That Democrat was Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland had commented about Theodore Roosevelt a few years before when he met him when Roosevelt was in the legislature and Grover Cleveland was governor of New York. He said, You do not know Theodore Roosevelt, I do, and I tell you that he is one of the ablest politicians either party ever had and the ablest Republican politician in this generation. The country will find this out in time. And this also, at the time, long before he held an important office or became president, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Thomas Brackett Reed, said, uh, we've got an American of blood and iron, a coming man. That is Theodore Roosevelt. You want to watch this man, for he is a New World Bismarck and Cromwell combined. 
and you will see him president yet. But the road to the presidency took unexpected turns. He accepted appointment under the new president, William McKinley, to be assistant secretary of the Navy. And part of what he had been promised is that the naval secretary would take long vacations and uh, leave him to do much of the work. He did not expect that he would be responsible largely for the opening shots in a major U.S. war, and it would be that war that made him a national hero and won him the Medal of Honor, ultimately. We will tell the rest of that story of the remarkable life of Theodore Roosevelt, the all-American boy, here on The Michael Medved Show. That song, forever associated with Theodore Roosevelt, the subject of this special program on The Michael Medved Show, The All-American Boy. In 1886, during that period in his life when he was going back and forth between New York and Washington and his ranch in Dakota, he wrote an article for Century Magazine. And he was only 28 years old. And he wrote, It is unfortunately true that the general tendency among people of culture and high education has been to neglect and even to look down upon the rougher and manlier virtues, so that an advanced state of intellectual development is too often associated with a certain effeminacy of character. Well, not for Theodore Roosevelt. He spent between 1883 and 1887... Uh, During that four-year period, he spent a total of about 11 months out on his ranch. The the ranch eventually was a disaster. The cattle died off under difficult climactic conditions, and he lost money on the whole venture. But he gained far more. He wrote, There were all kinds of things of which I was afraid at first, ranging from grizzly bears to mean horses and gunfighters, but by acting as if I was not afraid... I gradually cease to be afraid. Most men can have the same experience if they choose. If it had not been for my years in North Dakota, he wrote, I never would have become president of the United States. It's certainly true that if the Spanish-American War had not occurred, he may not have become president of the United States. And it was a war in which he played a remarkably prominent part for a very young man who held a minor government position. He was the assistant secretary of the Navy. His boss, the secretary, was a nice guy, former governor of Massachusetts named John D. Long, who basically didn't take his job too seriously, and that was just fine with Theodore Roosevelt, who took every job very seriously. And he was told by his friend, Henry Cabot Lodge, a friend from Porcellian Club at Harvard. He was a new senator from Massachusetts, first a congressman, then a senator, that the reason that President McKinley had been a little bit concerned about appointing Theodore Roosevelt is having read some of his literary output, the president was afraid that he would want us to get into a war immediately. Well, it wasn't immediate, 
but it was quick. And in that war, Theodore Roosevelt himself became by far the most conspicuous national hero. How did he deserve it? We'll get to that and much, much more, telling the always dramatic, always fascinating, and sometimes hard-to-believe story of Theodore Roosevelt, the great American boy, and yes, one of the greatest presidents and most fascinating figures in this greatest nation on God's green earth. 